What's up, you guys? Aaron Smith here. This is a message I preached in our January Young Adults for our community to encourage them to get in the soil of community, to tend to the soil of their heart, to allow Jesus to touch them in their lives right where they're at. Uh, I pray as you listen that it touches your life and encourages you. We love you. Enjoy the message. All right. Well, if you'd open your Bible to Acts 20. Go into Acts, and then we'll also be in Matthew 13. Acts 20 and Matthew 13. And uh, I have titled this sermon, From the Sill to the Soil. From the Sill to the Soil. And uh, I'm excited. I feel a lot of expectancy for this year, for 2023, specifically for these gatherings, for young adults, for what God's doing in our community. Um, And so if you are in the room and you have ears to hear, would you say amen? Amen. All right, Acts 20 and verse 7. We're going to read about a young adult, starting in verse 7. Acts 20, verse 7. It says, Now on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a windowsill sat a certain young man named Eutychus. Every time I read this, I think, man, Eutychus, your parents did you dirty. <laughs> they did you wrong with that one. If I'm named Eutychus, I'm, I'm going by my middle name. And in the windowsill sat a certain young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep, and as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him said, do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Now when he had come up and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till daybreak, he departed, and they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. My translation says they were not a little comforted. Some of your translations say, uh, may say something like they were overcome by joy. Uh, they didn't have just a little bit of comfort, but they were overcome by joy. And so this is a story of a young adult. We're going to call him Yudi. Young, <laughs> young Yudi here. Um, and he is in a service like this. He's sitting on the third floor, and he's sitting in the windowsill. And he's looking out the windowsill. He gets sleepy as Paul is preaching. Says that they started the, he started the sermon at dinner time, and he preached until midnight. So this is hour four or five of the church service. And little Yudi falls asleep, and he falls out the window, and he dies. Paul goes down there, and he says his life is still in him. He raises him from the dead, and they get up and take communion. And uh, I want to talk to you about Eutychus tonight, but before we do, I want to flip over to Matthew 13. So you can bookmark, you can put a little, uh, you can mark Acts 20. We're going to end there, but for now, we're going to flip over to Matthew 13. Starting in verse 1, it says this, On the same day Jesus went out of the house, and he sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together so that he got into a boat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed seed, some fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, And they immediately sprang up, and because they had no depth of earth, um, but when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. 
But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, what I love about Jesus and sometimes can make me frustrated is there's a lot of mystery to things he says. But I love that in this parable, there is not mystery. Because if you jump over to verse 18, he's going to explain the parable. It says, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes. Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke that word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. From the windowsill to the soil. Um, a couple years ago, uh, I looked into our backyard and there was an area in our backyard, maybe some of you can relate to this in your house, but for the most part, our backyard is, if you've been there, it's pretty nice, it's pretty beautiful, we love to be back there, but we have that one area in our backyard where you like don't want people to look you know, you're like, they come into your backyard and you're standing like, yeah, check, you know, but you're like, don't look over here. This is where I put all the junk. This is where it's ugly, nasty. And there were rocks and leaves and mulch and wood. And it was just, it was just nasty in this area of our backyard. And uh, Sarah Beth and I, we were looking at this area and we had this beautiful idea. We were like, what if we cleaned it out and we make it a garden? And it was right after the pandemic, and you know, through the pandemic, you, you start thinking all these wild things, like we need to get chickens, we need to grow our own fruit and vegetables, because if this happens again, you know, I don't know if any of you think like me, but that was me. And so I see this area in my backyard, and I'm like, let's make this ugly area beautiful. Let's turn it into a garden. And so Fred's in the house, Fred's over here. Fred's the, the go-to guy for me. When I need a project at my house, I call Fred. Fred, I got an idea. And he goes, what are we doing? What project is it? What are we building? And I told Fred, I was like, let's clean out this area in my backyard and we're gonna plant a garden. So sure enough, we pull the weeds. We, there's like a mini tree. It's like, I don't know if this is a, a weed or at this point, if it's a tree, I don't know what this thing is, but we pull it out, we get it down uh, and we clean it and it's just dirt. And we get it to where it's dirt and we start realizing as we start digging to plant seed, there's like big rocks and uh, like, like blocks of cement in this dirt. And I'm thinking, what was this dirt before I moved into this house? But it's just this gnarly, gnarly like area of dirt in my backyard. And we're looking at it and we're like, we should probably go get some soil, but ah, it's fine. So we dig these holes and we start planting seed. And as we plant seed, we put it in there. And there's, like I said, there's rocks, concrete, all this stuff. There's like bugs and maggots. Like this area of dirt was disgusting. And we plant the seed. And so I start watering it every day, and sure enough, about a week, two weeks later, you start seeing things sprout. About a month later, that sprout has grown a little more, but about two, three months in, uh, it's springtime, it's about to be summer, there's these, these plants that are growing, but they're not producing fruit. And so I started thinking, what is going on 
with this area in our backyard. And after I did some research, I realized because I did not tend to the soil and that there were bugs, there wasn't good soil, there wasn't a lot of room for the roots to grow deep because of the rocks and the concrete and then the bugs would eat any fruit that was on it. There was no life that could be produced in this garden. And, um, and I feel tonight like there's many of us in the room that we look at areas in our life that are ugly, that need work, and we think, I want a garden there. But we don't know how to tend to the soil in our heart. We don't know how to tend to the soil in our lives. And because of that, there's no fruit. And I feel like many, we're, again, we're gonna end in Acts 20, but I, I feel like tonight, I'm gonna tell you where we're going, but I'm gonna call you tonight out of the windowsill and into the soil. I don't know if there's anyone in here that you've come to the upper room or you've come to communities or you've maybe been around communities of faith but you've yet to really dive in and bury yourself in the soil and like little Yudi, you're sitting in the windowsill, you're looking out that window and you feel asleep in your spirit. Well, tonight I'm gonna call you out of the windowsill and into the soil. And um, I wanna talk to you about soil before we get there. My water's gone. Um, I wanna talk to you about soil because it always blows my mind how two people can come into the same service. Two people can lift their hands in the same worship set. Two people can hear the same sermon. Two people can respond to the same altar call. Yet when those two people leave, only one is transformed. It's wild to me. And I ask the question, I've been in many services where I've been with a friend and we've responded to that same altar call, yet here we are and I'm still following the Lord and then the friend that responded, responded with me is no longer walking with him. And I have to ask myself, God, how is it that two people can hear the same thing, worship the same Jesus, hear the same songs, yet only one be transformed? And it's soil. The answer is soil. And uh, I wanna talk to you about the difference between soil and seed before we jump into this, because there's a big difference. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but seed is not expensive. Seed is cheap. Uh, if you are physically going to do a garden in your backyard, the inexpensive part is seed. You go to the store and you can buy any seed for any plant for probably around 30 cents. You walk out of there with like a basket full of seed, you're like, man, I'm about to turn my whole yard into a garden, and you spent like a dollar. Seed, seed is cheap, but soil is not. Soil is expensive. Some people take massive loans out to pay for soil, to pay for plots of land. If you go to Israel, it's one of the most uh, fought after pieces of land on the earth. Why? The soil. It's the soil. Soil is not cheap. Soil is expensive. But seed is cheap. You can, get, you can get seed anywhere. Some of you are gonna get seed tonight. Some of you are gonna get seed in podcasts you listen to. Some of you get seed from books that you read. Some of you get seeds from conversations you have. Some of you get seed from mentors. Some of you get seeds from your parents. Seed is everywhere. But soil is not. Seed is clean. Seed is clean. If you work with seed, you're not gonna get dirty. You could work with seed in a tuxedo and your tuxedo is gonna look nice, pristine, it's gonna look pressed. Soil is dirty. If you're working with soil in a tuxedo, you off. There's something off in your head because you get dirty in soil. Soil's expensive. Soil, you get dirty. Soil has to be worked. Soil has to be treated. Soil has to be cared for. A seed you plant and you leave it alone. 
you let it die. It's the soil you tend to. Soil can't be too wet or it gets mushy and life can't be produced because the soil is too wet, but soil can't be too dry or it begins to crack and nothing can, can live in it. It takes the right amount of tender care. And in this parable, you have Jesus saying, anyone who has ears to hear, listen, because I wanna talk to you about the soil of your life because it's really, really, really important. At the end of the night tonight, you're gonna get put in groups and some of you are gonna meet someone and there's probably many of you who said this phrase, I love the upper room, but it's hard to find community. And tonight, you're gonna have a seed given to you with the opportunity to, to grow that thing with a relationship you meet tonight and two of you are gonna receive the same seed but only one of you may work that seed, may work the soil that seed gets put into. Why? Because soil has to be tended to. And here you have Jesus and he's giving a parable and he's talking about four different types of soil. Four different types. And the types of soil he talks about is really important and I wanna look at it. And I love that Jesus explains the soil to us. But the first one you see in verse 19. We'll start in verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. The first one is no understanding or a lack of community. You could call it a lack of community. No understanding or a lack of community. Did you know you need community? Did you know if you took a, a poll of what are fundamentals of the faith? Um, if you know Julian Gamboa in our house, he, he said this to me, I asked him, I said, what, what's a fundamental in your own words? How would you define it? And he said, I would define a fundamental as this. If you can lead without it, you don't need it. So in the faith, I would define a fundamental as this. If you can follow Jesus without it, you don't need it. And unfortunately, there's a lie that's been sown in a generation that says you don't need the, the gathering of the saints. You can follow Jesus without community, but following Jesus without community is not following Jesus, it's isolation. You need community to follow Jesus. That's why I love that this room is packed on a Friday night, because you need community to follow Jesus. And specifically, you need community to study the word of God. You need community to get into the word of God. That's why I don't know who in the room is doing the New Testament 30, um, but you need community to get in the word. Some of the best times in the word for me are not when I read alone. I love when God speaks to me of the word. I love when God gives me revelation. I love when the Holy Spirit breathes on a moment that you're reading and you're like, I've never seen it like this before. And you're weeping and then you come out and you're telling friends and you're like, man, God said this to me. But the reality is, if I read my Bible every day of the month, there's probably one or maybe two days where I walk out like, I got mad revelation. The other 28, 29 days are me being faithful with the soil of of my heart getting in the word. But it takes community to really get into the word. That's why we have nights like tonight. That's why we have Sunday morning. That's why we have Sunday night for guys like me to stand up here and preach to you. Why? So we can get into the word together. But it should not be the only time you're in the word. You should be in the word alone, but you should be in the word with community. Getting in the word. Why? Because seed is sown and the one who does not understand it, the wicked one comes and he snatches it away. 
So there's a word that's sown. There's a revelation that's given. There's a verse that's read. And you're sitting in your seats and you hear it and you go, I don't understand that. But because you don't have community to work that word with, it's snatched. The enemy comes and snatches it. I mentioned my relationship with Fred. I love Fred because we read the word together. We got close when we started reading the word together. I remember there was a specific time, I think I've shared it before, but we got in Colossians 3 together and it marked our friendship. We were both crying, weeping. That was three, four years ago and today we still go back to days like that where we've gotten in the word together and, and we've studied the Bible together. This week, Sarah Beth came to me. I was tired, it had been a long day at work. We put our kids down. It was, it was like 10 o'clock and I felt like I had had no time for myself that day. And she said, will you read Hebrews with me? And on the inside, I was thinking, no, I wanna go to bed. And I'm looking at my wife, she has bread and she has some grape juice and she's like, I was thinking we could take communion and read Hebrews. And I was like, let's do it, baby. Let's read Hebrews. Three Hebrews together, come on. And I told her this, I said, I got, I got three chapters in me. If she, was, if she was sitting here, she'd be laughing. I said, I got three chapters in me, I'm tired. She goes, okay. So we started reading Hebrews. We read the entire book of Hebrews that night and we got wrecked. We were like, oh, Hebrews, he's our great high priest. We are taking communion, but, but I acquaint it to my marriage being healthy, that we get in the word together. We don't always read the whole book of Hebrews together but we get in the word together. It's something that, that attracted me to Sarah Beth when we started dating. She told me, if you wanna date me, then meet me here Tuesday, 6 a.m., and we're doing the prayer set together. And so for some of you women, that's a word. And, and it started out with us in the word together. And that first, here's a little nugget for you, that first Tuesday, 6 a.m. was mad awkward. You get together and you've never prayed or read with someone, but you like someone and you're trying to put your best foot forward and you're like, ah, and then they're like, let's pray. You're like, Thank you, Father, I love you, Father, amen, Father. You know, you're like, it's that awkward father prayer. Um, I think of Joel, if you know Joel, Joel's, Joel's one of my best friends, and yesterday we celebrated his birthday, and I was looking for a picture to put up to, to tell him happy birthday, and I found this picture of maybe, maybe eight, nine years ago, and we were at a coffee shop, and I remember in the early days of our friendship, Joel, Joel was being Joel, and he said to me, he was like, hey, if we're gonna be friends, we need to meet, at, meet for coffee uh, at 8 a.m. once a week and get in the Word together. And that's the only way we're gonna have longevity, he was telling me, and I'm like, Joel, what? And I found this picture, and I posted this picture because Joel has his Bible open, and he's reading, or he's praying, and uh, I have my Bible closed, and I'm like this, and I'm asleep. <laughs> but our friendship has become such a solid friendship because we got into the Word together. And the point I'm trying to make is if you don't have understanding, get in community where you can seek it together. Because Proverb 2 says this, understanding is meant to be searched out. It says it, it, says it like this, what does it say? It says, Proverbs 2, 3, ask for understanding. Do you know understanding is meant to be asked for? If you don't have understanding, it's meant to be asked. You know good questions provoke intimacy? If you want intimacy, ask questions. Look at Thomas. Uh, if Thomas had not asked, Lord, where are you going? Where are you going? We would not have, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That question provoked intimacy. If Nicodemus wouldn't have said, Lord, how can one be born again? We would not have the wind blows and, and anyone who lives by the spirit. And we would not have John 3, 16. Like we would not have that passage of scripture had someone not asked a question. Understanding is meant to be asked for. 
Questions are so good. And if you don't have understanding, ask questions. It's how you tend to the soil of your heart. It's how you tend to soil. It's how you say, I don't understand a word you're saying, but I'm gonna ask questions. I'm gonna ask questions. I'll prove it to you. Questions provoke intimacy. Had I not asked my wife on a date, I would not be dancing in the corner with my daughter. It took me asking a question. Some of you are longing for the day that you're like, man, I just I wanna have kids and I wanna be married and I wanna guys have that conversation in their head too, but you have no fruit because you haven't asked a question. Ask a question. Questions provoke intimacy. That's a word for some of you. It's a word. Some of you need to ask her tonight. But ask for understanding. Ask for understanding. The sower comes, he sows seed, and because there's no understanding, it's snatched away. There's no fruit, there's no life. And I wanna tell you tonight that if you don't have understanding, if you don't feel like you have a solid foundation in your faith, get around other people who are following Jesus and get into the word together. Ask for understanding. The next one, he says, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and he immediately receives it with joy. Such a good word, so awesome, yes. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. The next soil is no root or the day of trouble. It's the day of trouble. It's when the day of trouble comes and a word that you have is tested and because you don't have, a, a, you don't have any root in you, that seed is snatched. There's no fruit, there's no life, I don't know if you know this, but storms are a part of the normal forecast. You can't have a forecast and not have storms. It's part of the weather. It's part of normal weather. When a storm comes, it doesn't mean the weather's bad. It means the, nor the weather's the weather. And storms are a part of the weather, but some, for some reason in the faith, we think when storms come, what have I done wrong? Oh, I didn't fast well. Oh, I didn't get in my word. Oh, I didn't have integrity. No. Not everything's the devil. Storms come. Storms are a part of the normal forecast and the words that you receive will be tested. They will be tested. Raise your hand if you've ever gotten a prophetic word. You can believe that prophetic word will be tested. Some of you got a word, you're like David. You're gonna fill the, the earth with worship and then you didn't make the worship band. Then you didn't make the worship team. Then no one will promote your music and you're like, I don't know. Because I'm not called to it. No. You got to work your word. You got to tend to the soil. It's not going to be handed to you. But in those moments when your word is tested, that's when the enemy comes to steal that seed. You got to work your word. I love Luke 6. In Luke 6, 48, it's the, it's the parable. You also see it at the end of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus talks about the day that storms come and the foolish man builds his house on the sand and when storms come, because let me tell you, if you're not in a storm tonight, you may be in one tomorrow, but there is a storm that is coming to your life and the foolish man builds his house on the sand and when that storm comes, his house is taken out. But the wise man, there's a little nugget, it says he dug deep. He didn't just build his house on the rock, he dug deep. 
He dug, he got in that soil, he tended the soil, and he dug until he found something he could build his life on, he dug until he found the rock, he dug until he found an anchor for his soul, and the day the storm came, that seed produced fruit. That seed produced life. You know, I wrote this down, tribulation and persecution is meant to tend to the soil of your heart. Tribulation and persecution are meant to be like a plow that plows through the soil of your heart. It's meant to push you to Jesus. Tribulation, persecution, it's not to be pushed away. I've actually learned in this season more than any other season in my life that the day of trouble is meant to be embraced, not rebuked. It's meant to be embraced. It's meant to allow, you know, the day of trouble comes when persecution comes, when tribulation comes, and circumstance comes. You know what I have found that it will do? It breaks the fallow ground. It breaks the hard, crusty mold in my heart, or it launches me into bitterness. And that seed is stolen. It breaks the fallow ground. It breaks apathy. It confronts boredom. It'll make you desperate. You know, when you walk through something and you need breakthrough and you realize, I have to fast. Why? Because I don't know what else to do. All of a sudden, you start fasting and you start realize, realizing, I've gotten really familiar with God. I've gotten really comfortable with God. I've gotten really comfortable in my faith. And then you start fasting, you start giving things up, and all of a sudden the Lord comes and he uses that circumstance, he uses that trial, he uses that persecution, and he goes, oh, this is a plow. Now I get to plow your heart, I get to break up that hard ground, I get to actually see seed produce fruit because of the way you're responding to the tribulation, to the persecution, to the day of trouble. It's what happens to David. Uh, uh, scripture says, at a time when kings go to war, David did not go. And he falls into the Bathsheba scandal. He falls. He has a, an immoral failure. He, he loses his fear of the Lord because he grew, he grew familiar with God. He grew comfortable in his pursuit of God. But persecution, trial, it's meant to tend to the soil of your heart. In John 16, 33, it says this, in this life, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. James 1, 2 says, count it all joy, the various trials you walk through. Count it all joy. You know, I was reading that verse one day, and I was like, yes, Lord, count it all joy. And the Lord said, what is a trial? You need to get your journal open, and you need to write down what a trial is. And I started writing, trial. It's a death in the family. A trial is a bill I can't pay. A trial is an area in my marriage that we need breakthrough. A trial, and I started writing these things down and I was like, I got so sobered. And I thought no one in their right mind would ever count it all joy walking through a trial. Yet with Jesus, only with Jesus, can you count it all joy when you walk through various trials, why? because it produces in you patience, and that patience produces in you character, and that character produces in you a perfect man lacking nothing. And all of a sudden you realize no trial, no circumstance can steal my joy, why? Because I am not living for the seen. I'm living for the unseen, and all of a sudden that trial becomes a plow that works the soil in your heart, and you realize in the midst of despair, in the midst of the day of trouble, I have a tree in my life bearing fruit that I can pull that thing off and eat from. 
Because only with Jesus can you count it all joy. Or it launches you into bitterness, launches you into burnout. I heard someone say this week, you know what burnout is, don't you? They said, uh, burnout doesn't mean you quit. Burnout means you continue, but you're bitter. You haven't worked your soil. Uh, I'll tell you the story, and then we'll move to the next one. Um, in 20... 2018, 2019, I got a call from my mom and she had told me that she had found um, a lump on her body and she had to go in for a surgery to get tested for cancer. Excuse me. And um, when you're, if you've ever walked through that, when that day knocks on your heart, you're instantly tested. It's no longer about what you preach. It's no longer about what you've prayed. All of a sudden, that word is tested. And you realize, wow, I either need to anchor myself to the Lord or this one thing will make me have a handful of questions around who God is. And um, I remember going to the doctor's appointment with her, and right before we walked into the doctor's appointment, I had a text on my phone, and it was from Miller. And he texted me, and he said, I'm praying for you this morning, and I want you to know this is why you have faith. It's for days like this that you have faith. And there was something about that, that it was like all of a sudden I got out of my flesh and my spirit man came alive. And it was like the soil I had been working for the last several months started producing fruit of faith to believe, God, you're here even now. It's for the day of trouble that we have faith. Trial, tribulation, persecution, it's meant to tend to the soil of your heart. Let's go to the next one. He says, now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke that word and he becomes unfruitful. The next soil Jesus is gonna talk about is the soil of anxiety and specifically anxiety because of money. And I titled this one Seasons of Faith. The last one was the day of trouble. The last one was a short circumstance you walk through or a short trial you walk through. But this next one is a season of faith. I don't know if you've ever lived through a season of faith where you're like, man, how long is this season gonna be? How long is this circumstance gonna last? I've done all that I can do. I'm working hard, I'm having integrity, I'm doing my best to get out of this thing, but at this point, it has become a season for me. And this word that Jesus talks about is where it begins to to spark within you anxiety and worry to the point that it chokes the word. It chokes the word. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been choked, it's not an instantaneous, you're out. But a choking is one that's prolonged. There's moments of suffering. You're like, man, this thing over time works faith out of your life because of anxiety and worry. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Specifically, it's when you get caught up thinking, if I made more money, I'd have more faith. If I had more promotion, if I had more favor, then fruit in my life would begin to come. Oh, if I had a better paying job, then my music would take off. Oh, if I, and it's actually meant to be a plow that tends the soil of your heart. Some of you who have worry, anxiety, depression, you need to go bird watching. That's what Jesus says. He says, do not worry about tomorrow. Look at the birds. 
Look at the birds. Some of you who don't have money and you're worried about your school bill or you're worried about how you're gonna pay for things, this was a word the Lord gave me in this last season. He said, you need to go to the zoo, you need to buy a ticket, and you need to go watch the flamingos. You need to go sit at the flamingo exhibit. Just sit there. Watch the flamingos. Look at the color that's on them. Look at them standing on their one leg as they stand there. Why? Go look at the birds. Go bird watching. Go to the penguin exhibit. Watch the penguins walking around. Why? Because as you look at the birds, you realize... Wow, they, they neither sow nor, reap, nor do they reap. They don't store up for themselves. I don't know if you're in here and you are on the, the older side of a young adult and you're into uh, stocks and putting money into stocks and right now in inflation, it's eating your lunch and you're worried and you're nervous. Well, the birds, they don't sow, they don't reap and they don't store up for themselves. Go look at the birds. You'll be all right. Because that invitation for worry and anxiety, all it is is it's two hands choking out your faith. It begins to weave out faith from your life until the point that God becomes your enemy. You point the finger at God, you begin asking God questions, like God, where are you? Why didn't you show up? You question who he is, and all of a sudden you've shipwrecked your faith. Why? Because worry, the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches. I, uh, I called some of you uh, in November, you heard Sarah Beth share, um, she preached in November and she told a story about how she got laid off from her job and how it, how it launched us into uh, having a lot of questions around our finances. And we, we very quickly realized, Lord, we wanna live by faith. Um, and I felt like the Lord said this to me, he said, Aaron, faith is faith, not a steady paycheck. And I realized, wow, a steady paycheck can steal my faith. And I told the Lord, Lord, I wanna live by faith, and I called Michael Malden. If you know Michael Malden, he's just a wild man who lives by faith. And I called him, and I started processing with him, telling him all the things I was going through. And he said, you know, Aaron, I've got to travel all over the world. I go to churches all over America. And he said, the number one thing I hear from pastors is, man, I wish I could live by faith like you. I wish I could live like you. I wish I could see God move like you see God move. And he said, I look back at those pastors and I said, you can, but you have to lay down your golden handcuffs. He said, you know what golden handcuffs are, don't you? Golden handcuffs are your salary. Golden handcuffs are your steady paycheck. I'm not saying for you, don't go get a salary and a salary's bad. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying beware, least that paycheck becomes what launches you into familiarity with God, it stills your faith, and you start relying on your paycheck instead of God as your provider. Because you don't realize the subtle shift when you begin looking to man in an organization and you begin looking to people and places to be your provider, and God is zealous to provide for you. Oh, he's zealous to provide for you. You know what I've realized? Oftentimes, God can't be big in my life because I'm letting other people be big. I'm letting other people provide for me. I'm letting other people bail me out. But then you get moments where you live by faith and you say, I'm quitting my job to do USM. And then you're in that place and you're two, three weeks in and you're like, I'm scratching my head. I don't know how I'm gonna pay for my school bill. I can't do school and work my job. Maybe I shouldn't be here. Listen, for you, USM students, CFNI students, no, it's not meant to, for you to question your life. It's meant for you to get in your soil and work your word. Get in that place and say, no, God, you called me here and I'm not gonna let the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of 
riches, still the seed you gave me. You called me here. You relocated me here. You gave me a word. You spoke. And I'm going to work my word. I'm going to work my word. But it's the cares of this world that will steal that seed. What does that look like? That looks like you're living by faith, but tomorrow's the first. And you're like, man, now from now in the next 24 or 48 hours, I'm gonna be a pile of anxiety. Everyone around me, I'm gonna be texting them, calling them. Now they're piles of anxiety. Now all of a sudden we're all anxiety and we're supposed to be filled with faith. No, work your word. You called me here, you'll provide for me. I'm going to the zoo. I'm gonna go look at penguins. But work your word. <clears throat> you know, worry, anxiety, I wrote this down. If you're a worrier in the room, I wanna build your faith and I wanna tell you you're a dreamer. If you're a worrier in the room, you're a dreamer. Because all worry is, is dreaming in the negative sense. It's all worry is. And so if you are a worrier, I wanna give you a little handlebar here. Whenever you feel worry, think what is the opposite of that and put that before you because you're a dreamer, so dream. Allow the Lord to dream through you. And so you see these three soils. The fourth one is good soil. It's soil that's been tended to. It's soil that's been worked. I'm gonna repeat them to you. The first one uh, is no understanding or no community. You stop asking questions. You read something and you skim over it. You don't search out mysteries. You don't ask questions. You don't uh, pray in groups. You're not walking with communities saying, let's dive into the word together. Let's learn together. You have no community. You have no understanding. The next one is you have no roots. And the day of trouble comes, and in a moment, in a moment, you're derailed. In a moment, it's like the season shifts. The next one is you're prolonged in a season of faith. And worry comes in, and it snatches the seed. But the last one is good soil. It says this, but he who received seed on the ground on good ground, is one who hears the word, understands it, and bears fruit. Some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. Now, flip over to Acts 20. How does this apply to little Yudi? You know, there's two types of soil. There's the soil in your heart, and then there's the soil of a community. There's the soil of your heart, and there's the soil of the local church. Uh, I saw a friend of mine put on social media within the last couple months. Uh, he titled his post, My Breakup with the Church. And he went on to put this post about how I've been going to church for years. It's nothing but uh, leaders who have humanity. It's nothing but... Um, hurt, heartache, um, Jesus is perfect, and I'm divorcing the organization of the church. And my heart began to grieve. And I started thinking about Paul's, Paul's words. Do not, do not neglect the gathering of the saints like some have done. And, and the soil of a local church, the soil of a local community, <clears throat> the soil of local authority, is one of the quickest ways to see fruit in your life. When you submit yourself to soil, when you submit yourself to authority, when you submit yourself to a place you don't understand. You know, when I was in CFNI, I went through some really, I was a CFNI student from 2012, shout out, 
2012 to 2014, 15. And I remember the Lord said this to me. I had the fear of the Lord. The Lord said to me, I don't ever want, it was like a father. I don't ever want to hear a foul thing come out of your mouth towards CFNI. That's what the Lord said to me. He said, I've had a resting place for 40 years there. And I submitted myself to the soil of CFNI. I submitted myself to the leadership. And there are many times, many times that I didn't agree then and I still don't agree today for the way things were handled. Many times. But I submitted myself to it. I submitted myself to it. And I, uh, I acquaint where I'm at today to the way I submitted myself to soil then. To the way I submitted myself to leaders I sometimes didn't agree with. I sometimes didn't understand. And there's something about submitting yourself to the soil of a local church that all of a sudden it's like God can and breathe on your life. Why? Because your life is not your own. And you start to, to embrace humility when you say, I'm not my own boss, I'm not my own leader, I'm not my own mentor, I'm submitting myself to soil. And the other soil is the soil of your heart. Even when you're submitted into the soil of community, you still have to tend to the soil of your heart. But you have Eutychus here, and he's at the windowsill. He's sitting at the windowsill, and I felt like the Lord said the windowsill is the windowsill of culture. At the windowsill, he could look out. At the windowsill, he could see the town. At the windowsill, he could see people coming to and fro. The whole time, Paul is over here opening the scriptures, talking about Jesus, explaining the kingdom. But Eutychus is over here. He's sitting in the windowsill. He's looking out the window, not really paying attention to Paul, not really paying attention to the meeting, the gathering. And scripture says he begins to get sleepy. And then from getting sleepy, he falls asleep, and the next thing you know, splat. Poor Eutychus. He dies. And uh, I felt like the Lord said the windowsill is the windowsill of culture, where, where you've allowed culture to inform you. You've allowed culture to paint the picture and the definition of what love is. You've allowed culture to paint the picture of what truth is. You've allowed culture to tell you you can follow God, but make Jesus more in your image than, than the image of this. And you've, you've wrestled with a lot in your life. Why? Because you're sitting in the windowsill and your apathy, your boredom, your emotional unrest is due to you in the windowsill when your call is to get in the soil, to bury yourself, to say, I'm all in. I may not understand it, but I'll ask questions. I may not fully agree, but I'm gonna embrace humility. I'm going low. I'm burying myself and I'm gonna die in the soil. The windowsill is when social media causes you to compare yourself to someone else. You know, I've started realizing social media, you can hear it as much as you hear it until you realize that it's true, that social media is the highlight reel of people's lives. And we look at it and we compare ourselves and we look and we see and we go, man, I haven't had that opportunity. Man, I haven't had that favor. Man, I don't have that following. Yet you have no idea what behind the scenes looks like for them. You have no idea. It's a windowsill into distraction, into apathy. Is all of social media bad? No. Bailey's up here dancing her heart out and her in one voice, what they've done with social media and digital missionaries, it's insane. But it can be a windowsill. You know, a windowsill can keep you from serving someone else's vision. 
You can sit at the windowsill and sometimes you're not looking at the negative sides of culture, you're looking at what could be for your own life and you've yet to dive into the soil and serve someone else. You know, for some of you, your fruit is gonna come when you serve someone else. Your ministry is gonna be birthed when you serve someone else's ministry. Your calling is gonna be birthed when you serve someone else's calling. I mean, when you get in the soil and you say, I'm here to die, I'm here to plant myself, I'm here to go deep, it's not the way of the world. It's not the way that's cool. It's not the way that's attractive. It's not the way that many are looking at going, yeah, I wanna bury myself in soil. No, it's hard. You have to work the soil. You have to tend to your heart. But because Eutychus doesn't do it, he falls out and he dies. And you know, Proverbs 24, 19 says this. I felt like I wanted to read this verse to you. It says, do not envy the wicked and how they prosper. I don't know if you've ever looked at someone who's not saved and you see the fruit. I have a lot of friends I went to high school with that we get together and <laughs> their success has not been my success. Like they have money, they have, you just look at their life and you go, oh my gosh. And you begin to, you can look at your own life and you can go, man, if I wasn't a pastor, I don't know if you're in ministry, that thought can come. If I wasn't a pastor, if I wasn't in ministry and you begin to envy the wicked, because of their success. But the Lord says, do not envy the wicked and how they prosper. And it goes on to talk about how you have a better reward. You have a better assurance. You have a hope for your soul. You have eternity. You have life after the grave. You have so much more than the wicked. Do not envy the wicked. And when you're sitting in that windowsill, it's easy to look out and you can think, I'm in here on Friday night, but I have some friends that are at the club and there's that cute girl that I was gonna ask out. But if you ask that cute girl out, you're gonna be in trouble and you're gonna be like Eutychus, splat. <laughs> Do not envy the wicked and how they prosper. And so Eutychus does, he falls out, he falls. And Paul comes to him and he looks at him and they're all circled around them and let's call the paramedics, we gotta get this dude out of here. And Paul looks at him and he says something that I wanna say to you and I feel like God is roaring it right now over Gen Z. Oh, I feel like God is roaring it right now over young adults and millennials. I feel like this is the message of the hour that God is declaring over Gen Z, and it's there is life in him. There's life in him. There's life in him. There's life in him. And I wanna tell you, if you've been, you've been wrestling with, with that boredom and do I wanna follow God, I feel a burn tonight to tell you there's life in you. There's life in you. There's life in you. And you're gonna find that life in the soil. Seed does not grow outside of soil, but when you get in the soil, there's life in you. There's a life in you. There's a calling in you. There's destiny in you. There's Highland Park being saved in you. There's Hollywood being redeemed in you. But you gotta get in the soil. You gotta get in the soil. I, I, I will never forget, I told the Lord when I first got saved, Lord, I wanna be a missionary. I wanna go to the nations. And he sends me to CFNI. I'm gonna do the missions major. He tells me to do the youth major. I'm gonna go be a missionary when I graduate. I meet Miller and he hires me as a youth pastor. And I'm like, God, I just wanna go to the nations. <laughs> Come on, here I am, send me, you're sending everyone else. But I buried myself in the soil. I'll do a Thursday night, six to eight a.m. or six to eight p.m. set. I'll do a Tuesday, 12 to two. I'll watch the clock. When I first started doing prayer sets, I had broken prayer sets up into uh, four quarters. Every 30 minute was a quarter. I'm a sports guy. So I'd sit on the stage and it would be six o'clock, it's first quarter. 6.30, I'm just rocking. 
I'm not into the prayer set at all. 6.30, second quarter. Okay, it's seven o'clock, halftime. 7.30, oh, fourth quarter starting. All right, I got this, fourth quarter. Oh, let's pray, let's, uh, the set's over. I did my two hours, I'm out. But the more I sat on this stage and I sat in these seats and I submitted myself to the place of prayer, to date, to date, I have been to Northern Iraq, I've been to Croatia, I've been to Bosnia, I've been to Ireland, I've been to Estonia, I've been to Finland, I've been to Colombia, I've been to so many nations and seen the kingdom thrive, and I did not realize the whole time I was submitting myself to soil, God was bearing fruit. I was submitting myself to soil, God was breathing on my heart. I was submitting myself to soil, and I was not getting what I thought I wanted, but all of a sudden, because I submitted myself to a community, I submitted myself to soil, the callings and desires of my heart started bearing fruit. And I wanna tell you there's life in you. Submit yourself to the soil. Submit yourself to the soil. So Paul gets on top of him, he breathes on him, he comes back to life, they go back into the meeting and they take communion. And tonight I wanna take communion together. I wanna call you to the table. I wanna, Toby, can you help me pass this out actually? But I wanna call you to the table. And I wanna call you to bury yourself in the soil. Maybe you've said yes to it before and tonight you have a fresh invitation to say yes again. Maybe you're visiting and you're not from the upper room. The upper room is not your local church. We'll find a local church and submit yourself to the soil. Get out of the windowsill and get in the soil. I have a really good friend who he's a pastor, uh, not at the upper room, and his pastor said this to him. He said, bro, I love you. He, he's the worship pastor, he said, I love you, but we're not upper room. We love upper room, we're gonna glean from upper room. And he was miserable in his job until he received that word from his senior pastor and he buried himself in the soil of his community and now he's thriving. He's thriving, he gleans from the upper room, he's ministered to by the upper room, but he has buried himself in the soil of his local church. If this is not your local church, find your local church and submit to the soil. Submit to leadership, submit to elders, submit to mothers, submit to fathers, submit to community, and do it around this. Do it around the table. Do it around the broken body in the blood of Jesus. Um, someone wants to hop on the keys. I really feel so strongly tonight for those of you that you have been specifically the soil of anxiety the soil of worry, the soil of the choking, if that's been you. And you know because you, you, you stay up late uh, thinking about it, you feel burdened by it, you, you, it's eating your lunch, and you just feel like faith has been choked out of you. It's like, you know that toothpaste, when you get to the end of the thing of toothpaste and you start rolling it because you're like, I gotta get a little bit left instead of just ordering on Amazon Prime and it'll be in there in the morning instead you still are using the same bottle of toothpaste. And so you roll it up and you get the very last, that's what worry will do to you. It begins to roll you up. It begins to choke out all the faith that's in you. And I specifically felt like, uh, for those of you, that that is you. That describes what you've been walking through. I feel like there is breakthrough for you at the table, around this meal. And so I'm gonna ask you to uh, partner up with people, but before I do that,